Welcome to the second episode of the Anything Goes podcast with your hosts, Marlo and Eli. Um, today, we're going to be starting uh, the episode off with another pre-show. And that's just for us to, you know, book Ching Chan, just to talk a lot of shit and, you know, ease into what we're going to be talking about today, which is the esports scene. So stay tuned for that. So, Mr. Marlo. Yes. How are things going? <laughs> um, they're going pretty well. I'm doing all right. Um, you know, I uh, I went to the mall mm-hmm. and I walked my dogs. So mm. I got some nice clothes. So I'm feeling pretty hot. Ooh, nice. What'd you get? Give us an audio haul. I got a baseball tee from Hollister. Mm. And then I got a horizontal sh- brown and black uh, shirt and a mm. graphic tee from H&M. Okay. Okay. Loving my fast fashion moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen, uh, listen, capitalism, it limits your options, you know? Yeah. It's either something from a sweatshop in Vietnam or a sweatshop in Mexico. Like this is, it's okay. <laughs> listen, listen. Okay, are you? I don't know. Anyways, I was gonna defend myself. Yeah, I might just wanna. This might not be the hill you wanna die on, Bessie. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> oh man. Well, I love that for you. What'd you do, mate? Um, well, um, earlier we collaborated on uh, some Depop stuff. Shameless plug. Um, go follow our Depop on the Depop app at Motaneros. M-O-T-A-N-E-R-O-S underscore. Please. Um, yeah, not to brag, but I think we have great thrift selection and we also hand make products. So check that shit out if you want to deck your wardrobe out a little bit, um, and support some homies. Um, but yeah, we, we uploaded some Depop, so I felt productive about that. You know, gotta do something to make me feel human every once in a while. Um, I ran a bunch of errands for my mother-in-law and that also made me feel good um, because I love running errands Um, and let me tell you why I love running errands especially for other people because as an adult who feels like he sucks at being an adult um, errands especially when you're doing them for other people is the most gratifying thing because anyone um anyone who you know has a car and like somewhat of a short-term memory or the ability to write a list can do it so (laughs) it makes me feel um a lot happier about myself having done it and let me tell you it raised the quality of my day (laughs) um yeah other than that i oh i also made an appointment for tomorrow for uh one of my cats smokey uh, to get her uterus taken out. 
so she can stop yowling through the night and trying to fuck her uncle, uh, my other cat panther. My God. <laughs> yeah, and and you know she'll also no longer have the risk of uh, like uterine cancer and all that shit. So win-win for all of us. <laughs> yep, we're about to snatch those fallopian tubes, Mary. Absolutely. Cats have Just, I believe so. They probably look different from humans, but I believe so. Like cats have periods and stuff, so yeah, and they're like pretty regular. Um, she's she's tiny too, so it's gonna be cheaper, but it's also like kind of scarier because she's tiny, and you know, the smaller the smaller the animal, the scarier surgery is. Um, really. Yeah, just because they're so they're so small, like when things go wrong, it's it can just be so hard to to you know correct it or whatever. But um, it's a standard procedure, and we we're going to a clinic that has like really high ratings, so I'm sure it'll be fine. They were like, you can expect they're gonna give her her shots tomorrow too, so they were like, we're gonna do that, and then we're gonna do the procedure, and then you can be gone for like five or six hours, and then we're gonna pick you can pick her up or whatever. I was like. That fast. Oh, <laughs> I was like, damn, I thought they were going to like keep her overnight or some shit. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I had to do for my dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I had so much fucking fun recording the first podcast. Me like, too. I'm glad that you like, did. This shit is fun as fuck. And I hope it like, you know, progresses to something more amazing. I 100% agree. Um, I think, I think it's a good idea to make it clear that, um, our goal is, like, we're not necessarily trying to get something out of it, um, but we do just want, we, I feel like we have a lot of opinions and valuable insight on things, you know, at our big ages of 20 and 19, um, so yeah, right? Um, but truly, I feel like I, we have, we have a lot of conversations about things that actually matter. Um, and although not every single podcast is going to be like that because, you know, we're human and we can only take so much fucking tragedy a week, but, um, I, I'm excited for the podcast episodes that we do, where we do talk about things that are more serious and more research-based and, um, yeah, I'm excited to see, to see where that goes. Yeah, honestly, I've been um, yeah, because I feel like a podcast is like a, I don't know, like it's a, I feel like conversationally, it's like probably one of the best ways for me to be somewhat like, I guess politically active in a sense. Yeah. Um, because, you know, having conversations that's very important, you know. Mm -hmm. And having people listen to it and your opinions and stuff like that and bouncing ideas and all that jazz. It's just like, you know, I think that's just, it's pretty, it's pretty good for me. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've been wanting to have some sort of outlet to be like, to do something that like kind of matters. So Mm -hmm. I feel like this is perfect. Um, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to attract like edgelords. (laughs) Oh no! I can't wait. I truly can't wait. The incels. The incels. The incels. They're coming. 
They are fucking running up on us, brother. We need to talk about climate change. Definitely. We're, okay, let me write it down that we're going to do an episode on climate change. We're right fucking now. <laughs> Listen, I am no scientist. We got to talk about this shit, okay? We need to talk. Definitely. We can't be letting these fucking politicians get in their pockets ran and fucking fucking us up just for some coin. Like, get the fuck out of here. And now it's now it's for Bitcoin. <laughs> it's not even not real Bitcoin. coin. <laughs> it's for the digital coin. <laughs> for the Dogecoin. Um, yeah, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine being like a Bitcoin investor. I'm literally so broke. <laughs> yeah, what I spend all my money on my animals and like eating, and that's it. As you should, as you are a person who's trying to survive and live their best life. Yeah, literally. And I consider my animals like a form of therapy, truly, because they're, I have like, <laughs> I have a partner and I have good friends and yet somehow, you know, mental illness convinces you that you still have nothing left. And um, my animals are like the only thing that keep me going when I'm, you know, in a really low state. So I consider these bitches a lifeline, truly. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. I mean, I guess I love my doggies. I guess they're not necessarily like directly my dog. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. my sister's dogs, but you know, I still love them. I feed them. I give my my doggie his insulin. You know, he's a little diabetic or whatever. (laughs) He got a touch of diabetes. Diabetes. He's a little thirsty sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) He's a little hungry for his own shit sometimes. Oh my god, this dude is a notorious dookie eater. Let me tell you. Oh man. I have to watch him, bro. Does he discriminate like between who's dookie that he wants to eat, or does he just eat any dookie that he comes into contact with? Bro, he is not a picky eater, let me tell you. He's an equal opportunity dookie eater. Yes, he is. Oh my god. Doesn't mind if it's Choco's or his. Man's is going in. He also fucking loves grass. That's like a diabetic thing for dogs, I think. That they just like. T. Every time I see a dog eating grass, I'm gonna be like, he got diabetes. I don't think that means they have diabetes. (laughs) A lot of dogs eat grass, but. He got diabetes. But but when I find him, he's always fucking chomping on some tall ass grass. Good for him. He's living his best elderly life. Yeah, for real. He's an old man. How old is he? You call him an angel. Fucker. (laughs) Oh my god. An angel. That's so sad. Christ. Um, He's like 12, 13. Oh my god. He's getting up there. Yeah, but I looked it up and like chihuahuas usually live to like 20 years, I think. Yeah, chihuahuas get old as fuck. But he's a mix. So I don't know if that affects... Oh, yeah, he is. Well, he's a mix of he's a mix of two small breeds, right? Yeah. So theoretically, he'll have like he'll his life will be on the longer side for dogs. My God, did you hear that? No, I did not. What happened? Some fucking voice mod thing just fucking popped up on my thing. My little brother has a voice mod thing on this computer. Oh wow. Who is he voice modding him himself to? <laughs> I don't know. He he has Discord and all that. He's really into Discord. Oh my god. Okay. Discord legend. 
Yeah, he's always on Discord. I feel like Discord is turning into, like, Reddit with voice for kids. You know? <laughs> I just looked it up. A miniature finisher's lifespan is about 13 years. Oh, wow. And a chihuahua is around 20. So. So maybe it'll be like 15, 16. Oh, well, this is 12 to 16. Oh, 12 to 16. There you go. I appreciate it. Do you want to move into the main show? Yes. Okay. Let's get it. Alrighty, we're going to move into the main show now, where we are going to talk about the esports scene, so stay tuned. Alrighty, so now we're getting into, as you said last episode, the meat and the bones. The meat, the meat and the motherfucking bones. Period. Of the esports scene. How do you say Alrighty. meat in Spanish? I forgot. Got it? Oh, there you go. Carne, dame un poco de carne, por favor. Um, okay. So, the esports scene. So, um, the Oxford English Dictionary defines esports as a multiplayer video game uh, played competitively for spectators, typically by professional gamers. Um, since this is a pretty broad definition, there is a large variety of game genres involved in esports, ranging from battle royales to MOBAs to first-person shooters. And some of today's biggest esports followings are those of League of Legends, uh, CS:GO, which is Counter-Strike Global Offense for those who don't know, and PUBG. And my favorite, Overwatch. Period. Yes, Overwatch. That's really our, our main squeeze, um, and that'll be kind of, we're going to take a closer look at specific statistics from the Overwatch League, um, just because that's like our main connection to esports, um, and speaking of that, um, Marlon, you've been an Overwatch player since 2016, I've only been an Overwatch player since 2020, so you've truly seen like the full evolution and development of the Overwatch League and uh, Overwatch's, you know, step into the territory of esports. So how is that, what has that been like for you to to watch this flourish from the start? I used to fucking love Overwatch. Literally, like, was the only thing I wanted to do. I low-key wanted to be a professional player until I learned that I was kind of washed. Anyway. <laughs> kind of um, washed. I'm oh pretty washed. God. I used to be a Masters player. Okay? I almost hit Grandmaster at some point. Okay. Grandmasters. Okay. Okay. Um, But I stopped playing comp for like a year, and then now I'm a fucking Diamond player. Um, Like mid-Diamond. Which, um, to be clear, is not terrible. Because anybody who plays Overwatch, who plays against Diamonds, who is, like, a moderately skilled player will know that that shit is kind of hard to face. Yeah, honestly, like, I think, and I'm like, how can people get better than this? This shit is crazy. (laughs) But, you know. Well, honestly, okay, this is, like, this is, like, a side note, but honestly, I think a huge part of that has to do with, like, team composition, like, it would be so much easier to climb the ranks if we had a full team, like a full six stack the entire time, you know? 
um, yeah. and we're able to like communicate with everybody and form strategies and shit. Like, because anytime that we have, it's been so fun to play with that many people because yeah. we just crush it. We just fucking demolish, you know. And yeah. oh my god, if we had if we had like a bigger crew of people to play with consistently, I totally think you could easily reach for like masters or grandmasters again you know we got people hit us up to play overwatch for real are you an xbox player i mean are you we do have a discord we do have an overwatch discord that we made that one time (laughs) we could put that in the description oh man yeah if you play on console and you're trying to link up on some overwatch let us know on discord if you're a plat the diamond player hit us up yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. currently a diamond DPS player, uh, but I am also a high plat support player. Um, my you support's not that high. Diverse and shit. You know. Yeah, and I don't fucking play tank because that shit is shit. So. <laughs> yeah, tank is the tank is the role that nobody nobody wants to have to play. No one wants to have to play. Honestly, God bless tank players that keep doing it because I don't know how y'all fucking do it. Because <laughs> that's yeah. a literal garbo. I will Truly. say it's garbo. It's so. Oh my god. I, I for for the record, I used to be um, like a pretty consistent off tank player. I was. Oh my god, especially on Sig. Sig was my baby daddy forever. My one. My one and only. I love Sigma. Um, <laughs> the foot fetish king, especially, especially um, the scuba skin. If you know, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I uh, being an off tank was it was so relieving because you know you don't have the stress of being a main tank and you know having the blame of a fight being lost put on you immediately because you're a main tank. Um, but even then, it's still so challenging sometimes because of you know wonky team comps and stuff like that Ugh, i just can't yeah, so, so i'm on my support grind a big thing for me is like how shitty people are <laughs> like yeah. i don't be wanting to go into voice chat because that shit is like so a mess it's not good absolutely for the mental not. It's not absolutely not mental. even the even the like regular text chat isn't good for the mental Sometimes no. I'd be like, I should not have this out, and I should turn this off right now. Literally, the slurs, the blaming, yeah, like the, the ableism, <laughs> the racism. Yup, all of the above. God, every obia, every obia and ism that you can think of imaginable, you're gonna find it in Overwatch text chat when a fight goes slightly wrong on first point. Literally, I'm pretty sure players of all fucking genres can relate because. Definitely. Come on. Come on, gamers. We gotta find do better because this shit is fucking garbo. Yeah. How do, like, truly, how, why do so many of us love playing these games that are so terrible to us? <laughs> and it's solely because of us. Like, it is, it is us behind a microphone saying these, like, vile things. Like, yeah, literally. I don't know how people can say that shit and just go about their day like nothing happened. Yes. Like, yes. Literally, like, the fact that that is so normalized. You want to talk about normalize this, normalize that. Let's normalize not being a vile asshole to strangers on the internet for no Truly. reason. Truly. Let's God. also normalize being vile assholes to vile assholes. 
Um, you know what? You're right. You're right. Let's normalize self-defense. Yes. Yes. Listen, if I get called a uh, B-word, I'm I'm going to go off. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> As you should. As you Am should. I allowed to say it? <laughs> I'm not going to say that. No, I'm not going to say that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you know what B-word I'm talking about? I know what B-word you're talking about. You're talking about um, the frijol word. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. He's talking anyway. about a slur that is typically used against Mexicans, but it really has affected, like, it's really used against all Latinos who are brown at this point. Yeah. Racism does not discriminate, okay? Um. So do you want to get into some of the history of esports? I do. I have found mm. some wonderful facts from the university of new haven period um and we're going to talk about the first ever video game competition the first ever video game competition took place in 1972 with the game space war at stanford university it was where five students competed for a year subscription um to rolling stones magazine um Mm. uh and space war was the first commercially available arcade game that's pretty cool. I didn't know it was to uh, a Rolling Stones magazine subscription. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because I have never in my life uh, bought a magazine subscription. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of magazines have probably just gone to digital media. Um, yeah. Like, doesn't like Vogue have like their like their digital magazine covers and all that jazz? Oh, uh, definitely. And they're also obviously taking YouTube by storm, so they're like reaching across platforms. Yeah. Space War video game. Oh. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, honestly, the esports used to start it off as like just players trying to get high scores. Um, there was not really any PvP, it was not really a thing. Player versus player was not really a thing at all. Um, um, from what I know, from what I've researched, mm-hmm. PvP was not really, um, if it was competitive, it was not PvP. Yeah. Uh, that is so fascinating. I, it's like playing, that's like a mobile thing, a mobile game thing now, exclusive to mobile games. Which is so, like, it's wild that 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 has been put on the back burner kind of like i guess it, it only makes sense when you have the ability to play against other people directly you're probably gonna want to do that because it's more simulating but um i think it's interesting that there are still people who like prefer that method of competition and still engage with that today yeah what kind of games are like that honestly um well like the game that i play like empire <laughs> <laughs> there's um yeah, Empire has a lot of leaderboards. Like, there's like, there's competitions to breed the best bud strain, um, that ends in a leaderboard score. Um, there's uh, enterprise competitions, so that's like when you you can get together with other players and kind of like organize under under this like umbrella organization, um, and then you can compete in events with that. And those all have leaderboard scores that you're competing to beat others with. 
Um, so I would imagine that a lot of other games are like that too. Um, Dragon Veil, that's another mobile game I play. <laughs> and that one is also uh, leaderboard based. Yeah. I know Dune has a leaderboard. Um, oh, yeah. And my, our, our friend Ismar, homie Ismar, um, the one who was on last podcast. Yeah. Um, this kid was like, was it like number five on the leaderboard or something like that? I think for, so. Like, Doom's horde mode. Um, homie like was that. dedicated Doom yeah. 24-7. Uh, True. It was truly an experience. Until Watch we turned him into an Overwatch player. <laughs> yes! Until we converted him to the dark side. Yeah, we, need, we needed people. He's a DPS yeah. player. It's a soldier main. Yeah, you're right, you're right. But, um... Anyways. Uh, but that... But esports at that time was not very much in the mainstream. Um, esports was shown to the mainstream with the show Starcade. A video game competition show that was that went from 1984 to 1985 mm-hmm. was one of the first times esports was um, in the mainstream. Which is honestly, esports is more a lot more mainstream nowadays. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's still like compared to a lot of other mainstream media, it's still not as as prevalent. Yeah. But yeah, honestly, definitely. with the rise of a lot of what like internet jobs and stuff like that, like honestly, it's getting a little, it's getting a lot more normalized and stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I wish that there were more. I wish there was more like academy level investment, um, like the way that people scout football and soccer players for from like early high school on i wish that people were doing that with esports um and i wonder if that is like a resource thing like i wonder if if that's the goal for a lot of uh esports leagues and if that just hasn't been attained yet um or or i wonder if they're just focusing on um you know the large mainstream games right now you know yeah, um, from what I know, the Overwatch League—I mean, they do have like a like a tier two scene and a tier three scene, mm-hmm. um, which is below the Overwatch League. Um, it's called the Path to Pro and stuff like that, um, and that's where a lot of players. Well, that's Blizzard's. Have they done the best job to keep the tier two scene alive? Not really. But <laughs> not really. <laughs> is it alive? Yes, it is. And she's like, um, she's like on, she's on life support right now. <laughs> she is truly. <laughs> she used to have like academy teams and all that jazz from Overwatch League teams, and there still are academy teams, but like in North America and stuff like that, there really isn't. It's more so like the Korean and Chinese scene is mm. where the academy teams are. But yeah, um. Yeah, that's from what I know. T. That's good to know. Um, okay. In the 90s, esports was revolutionized with Street Fighter 2, having face-to-face action instead of high scores. 
And then in 1993, Doom, with its four-player deathmatch mode, paved the way for other games. So, a little fun fact. Um, I did not know that Doom was a very highly competitive thing. It's probably mm-hmm. like the pixelated-ass Doom. Yes. Uh, um, but yeah, that's that's uh, those were... It was Street Fighter 2. Did I say Street Fighter 2? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that's when PvP really came into the mainstream for esports. Um, so yeah, that was basically what we have now, which is, I'm pretty sure it's purely PvP. Yeah, I would imagine. But in the 2000s, events in South Korea catapulted the growth of the esports industry globally, and South Korea today remains as the mecca of online competitive gaming. South yeah, Korea honestly, really be out here. Koreans are crazy. Let me tell you. <laughs> Koreans are, are crazy. <laughs> they are talented. What a statement. <laughs> they are talented. Let me oh tell you. God. The best players in the world, they are Korean players. Okay? Period. From what I know... Um, in the Overwatch League, that's mm-hmm. what I know. The Korean players, they are, they are what you want. Okay, mm-hmm. they are cracked. Um, I have questions. Do you know if, like, do you know what has contributed to, like, obviously we literally just talked about South Korea being kind of the mecca of the development of esports, um, as an industry globally, but. Um, do you know specifically kind of how that happened? Like what, what, um, investments have been made in South Korean players and leagues to make, um, to keep their players so highly, uh, like optimized? If that makes Um, sense. I guess not really. I just know that they have like a big like gaming cafe culture i think uh-huh. and so a lot of people just love going to gaming cafes and fucking fucking it up on their pcs there um nice. and i so know like a America, grassroots thing, really then. thing what was that i said so it's like a grassroots thing then right yeah that is fascinating i i truly wish that gaming cafes were more common in america because there's there's one in Chicago that I went to all the time. Marlon, I'm pretty sure I've taken you, right, to Ignite a couple times. Yes. Yes. Um yeah, it's called Ignite Gaming Lounge. It's on the north side. Um I think it's in Irving Park. Um that place is fucking beautiful. Like the outside of the building, you walk up to it and you think you're going to get mugged or something because it like looks broken down and decrepit. And then you walk inside <laughs> <laughs> and then you walk inside and it's literally like it's like a gaming spa like it's oh my god literally. there's a cafe futuristic as lighting and the people like the staff are all super nice they're all like young gamer peoples um there's setups for pc gaming and switch gaming and playstation gaming and there's computers with xbox xboxes hooked up to them um and it's like fairly affordable um so yeah. anybody in chicago um i don't know how big of a franchise it is so if there if there are any locations outside of chicago i'm not sure but if there are 
check that shit out um, or go to a gaming cafe that offers a similar experience um, if you're into video games because truly it is one of the most fulfilling like uh, bonding experiences that you can have with friends like just to go just to go to somewhere and relax in a dedicated space um, for the activity that you're trying to do where everything around you is optimized and you're eating good food and it's just like an all-around good time I highly recommend it's it's like bowling for our generation yeah honestly I wish there was one near me um because I've always wanted to do PC gaming for like the longest and yeah. bitch let me tell you that's just expensive okay mm. gaming is n- PC gaming is not the most accessible uh-uh. uh so, you know, I be think I think that'd be really dope because PC gaming honestly is like I don't know I don't know if I want to get into the PC versus console controversy, but mm. you know, PC gaming's pretty seems pretty good. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, less limited. Get down. You can do whatever the fuck honestly. I mean, quite literally, especially when you get into like modded games and. All that yeah, jazz, bro. Oh my god. As a kid, let me tell you, I wanted to do mods so bad. Yes. Mods look so fun. I feel you, bro. The oh only mods god. I could ever really get into were Minecraft because I I managed to get my hands on a MacBook Air um, when I was like 13. And so I could finally do stuff like that and it was great. Oh my god. So you were a Minecraft connoisseur. Oh. Okay. Oh, absolutely. I've been with Minecraft since literal day one. Yeah, Your Overwatch was like me with Minecraft. Yeah, me and Ismar only played Minecraft when it got on the console. We've always wanted to play Minecraft. Oh, wow. But you you were like a PC computer Minecrafter, so... Yup, yup. I was out here on Queercraft with the OGs. <laughs> I was like here. 11 years old. <laughs> I was out here watching Skydust fucking Minecraft. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> crying. Oh my like, god. I wish I could be there. <laughs> is this Skydust Minecraft? Does Minecraft. I don't know. Fucking everybody is, bro. Everybody got yeah. something on their under their belt. He's a rapper or something like that now. I don't know how. He is? Gonna... Yeah, he makes music and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Honestly, oh he had a decent voice. I remember he used to sing a bit. He oh had a decent God. voice. I need to play that right fucking now. I'm going to listen to it. We currently do not have a feature where I can share this with the audience, but um, audience members, if you want to just take a second to pause and Google Sky does Minecraft music, um, we, can all take in, we can all take part in this spiritual experience together. We love, we love. Oh my god, not Sky Does... The first thing that popped up was Sky Does Minecraft Allegations. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. no. Not the auditions. Someone made a, an hour video called A Minecraft Horror Story. The Allegations of Sky Does Minecraft. <gasps> oh my god. That's never good. When you have people on YouTube making videos about your controversies that are longer than like 20 minutes long, that's how you know you done fucked up. Oh, I think he abused his girlfriend. I think that's what I... Oh my god. Wasn't she like the mother of his kids? 
I believe so. Love that. Well, I think both Mr. of his public girlfriends, maybe. Oh, lovely. He had Mr. A girlfriend Adam Dahlberg is cancelled. Cancelled. So what about these prize pools for... Uh, what about the prize pools for these competitions? Well, some of the most... Well, Dota 2 has the largest prize pool. Um, in 2019, the international... Dota 2, the international, I believe, is what the competition is called. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2019, their prize pool was $34.3 million. Wow. Jesus fucking Christ. And then it had surpassed $40 million in 2020. And that's according to ESPN. Um, honestly, it's kind of really dope. I learned that the, the way they get the money for this is that, like, there's, like, a battle pass. Mm-hmm. And a portion of the battle pass money goes to the prize pool for their international. And a they portion? Competition yearly. Just a portion. Just a some slight. Just a portion. Forty million is just some change from the battle pass. <laughs> yeah. Lord, uh, that's insane. But that is kind of dope because then you're directly like by buying the battle pass, you're directly contributing to the teams that you know you're gonna watch compete in their yeah. esports scene. And I don't think that's necessarily super common. Yeah, because I haven't I heard of that with any other esports. Honestly, I don't know much about Dota 2. I believe I it's a MOBA. Um, which, I don't even know what defines a MOBA. I just know that you be clicking. In your character you be clicking. <laughs> you be clicking. What makes a MOBA a MOBA? Okay, so MOBA obviously stands for Multi-Online Battle Arena. And it is a subgenre of strategy video games in which two teams of players compete against each other on a predefined battlefield. Um, so, let's see. It says that, in short, MOBA games are a form of MMO, which tend to have a combat feel, with gamers also adopting a persona in a style similar to MMORPGs. An exciting subgenre of MMO games, MOBAs have grown in recent years to become a key part of video gaming and the pop culture phenomenon in their own right. And let me tell you, Mary, considering the top 10 um, competitions that have the uh, like most views um, in terms of like global audience, um, all of them are MOBAs. <laughs> yeah. So people love their fucking MOBAs. Because it's all been a MOBA in my life. Yeah, I don't think I have either, honestly. Aside oh, from, like, League of Legends, I've played briefly. I think I played uh, Heroes of the Storm. That's oh. a Blizzard game. Uh-huh. Um, they used to have a big esports scene. Or uh, they had a esports scene, and I think Blizzard killed it. <laughs> I don't know why. No. But I remember being, like, everyone being, like, ripped. Heroes of the Storm, which is really cool because they had Overwatch characters, and Heroes of the Storm was just, um, uh, was like, I guess it's like League of Legends, um, but it was just the accumulation of all their characters from 
their different games, and they would just fight each other and shit like that. That's they had, dope like, as hell. Tracer, Zarya, I think Lucio, Anna, and all that jazz. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty. Cool. It sounds like um like Smash Bros, but for Blizzard. Yeah, that's dope as hell. Which is also a biggie sport. Smash Bros. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. So, in terms of some, like, statistics, um, just to give people kind of an idea of what the industry rigs in, um, global esports revenue hit $1.084 billion in 2021. Um, so it is a huge global industry that is on the up and up. Um, the industry's annual revenue is growing by at least 30% every year. Um, so yeah, that's, that's fucking rapid. Um, it's already at one, 1.084 billion as of 2021. So you can imagine in the next like five, 10 years, how big a sum of money that's going to be. Yeah. Um, I kind of touched on this earlier, but um, the most watched esports event in history was the 2021 League of Legends World Championship, and other MOBAs like Dota 2 and Valorant uh, dominate the watch time as well. Famous esports investors include Shaquille O'Neal, Ashton Kutcher, Michael Jordan, Mark Cuban, uh, Steve Aoki, and ex-NBA player Rick Fox. We had to put in the qualifier because neither of us knew who that was. Sorry, Rick Fox. I'm his <laughs> Sorry, fans. Rick Fox. <laughs> pretty, sure, pretty sure you're dope, talented, and a good person. Yeah, hopefully. <clears throat> and then um, Drake, even though he's gross. Yeah, love Drake. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, sorry if you love Drake, but, you know, there's, we can't deny that he's a little creepy. Yeah, he do be a little creepy. He got some weird interactions with his underage fans. Um, but yeah, so, um, I think that's pretty interesting. You know, that, that lineup of celebrities, um, that group specifically, um, because they're all so mainstream, um, I think that gives a good idea to, a good idea of how, um, lucrative that this industry is becoming, um, and the more lucrative an industry becomes, uh, the easier it is to get people to support it. So, I'm here for it, you know? If yeah. if it takes some, some of these big names investing in the industry to bring up some of the, some of its talent and really develop them, uh, I say go for it. Yeah. It's really dope that a lot of, like, mainstream sports people have been investing into esports. Absolutely. Because it's like, honestly, I mean, like, they're e-athletes. So it's just like, I wouldn't, is it different? I'm pretty sure, yeah, but in a lot of ways, they're very similar. They train hard as fuck. They're some of the best people in the world. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. support support each other, you know, like, you know, fuck it. Yes, yes. Don't be looking down on other people for what? Just because it's a video juego? Like, come on. Yes. And I think especially, I think particularly when we're talking about um, kind of spreading awareness about esports to like other audiences. I think specifically targeting um, like physical sports 
um, audiences is such a smart thing because because esports is so similar, um, it's really not that hard to get into. Um, like I think, especially when you have games that are kind of like Overwatch, where they're a little less, they're not so visually overstimulating, like um, like a League of a League of Legends or a Halo. You know, like Overwatch is kind of it's a it's a little bit easier to follow. And I think a lot of other games, kind of like Apex, um, probably some other battle royales, like Call of Duty players, like I think all that stuff is a lot easier to follow for some people. Um, and because sports um, is not like it's not an exhaustible, um, it's not an exhaustible resource in terms of like how much people are willing to watch. Um, it, it's so smart to combine those audiences because they can blend together so easily. Yeah. Sports fans, and I know a lot of um, a good uh, uh, sports organizations um, that currently own slots for teams and mm-hmm. the Overwatch League, like the people who own the Canucks, um, also own the Vancouver Titans, which I believe mm-hmm. are also the Vancouver Canucks, um, mm. and the Overwatch League. So yeah, cute. It's pretty cool. That's very cute. That is pretty cool. So speaking of the Overwatch League, um, specifically compared to um, just just for like comparison's sake, so that everybody like knows kind of the scale that we're talking about, um, the Overwatch League compared to its other esports competitors um, is kind of like an average size franchise. It's not super small, but it's not like League of Legends level big yet, um, and so. Uh, top coaches of the Overwatch League can expect to earn a salary upwards of 80k, um, and the minimum salary for Overwatch player contracts in the league is 51k, uh, with the highest reaching close to 350k. Yeah. So that's just to give an idea of how, again, how lucrative of a space this is when you have the talent to compete. Um, that is life-changing sums of money. Like, that is... You will be living comfortably. Yeah, some of these players fucking make bank. Mm-hmm. Some of them deserve it. And that's not even... That's just from the league itself. That's not even considering how much money you would get um, from collaborating with sponsors or, you know, taking publicity deals and conventions yeah. and all that shit. And, like, winnings, too. Like, if yeah. you're winning, you're winning the prize pools, it's also more money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so, we have some questions here that we um, were thinking about uh, bringing up um, that are related to kind of the pros and cons of esports and just discourse that's happening in general um, around esports. And um, so I want to ask you, should players with problematic pasts be allowed to compete? What's your opinion? Um, for me, that's kind of... Obviously, it would depend on the past um, and how severe that would Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think players with problematic past, um, uh, depending on it, they should be punished um, appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I think in, in some cases, um, I think I think some of them should. <laughs> mm-hmm. In some cases, and I don't know. Can you think, think of any? Oh, sorry. Continue. Uh, wait, what were you gonna say? Go I was ahead. gonna say I was gonna ask if you could think of any, um, any like big controversies uh, that you can think of player related, um, just like any any situations that have come up. Um, I know in the Overwatch League, there is a player named Kaluge who was found to be, um, uh, they were like harassing a woman, uh-huh. I believe, um, in the, in their game or something like that, or like on a stream. Uh-huh. Um, and... But he's now in the league. But after like, that was like years ago uh-huh. when the whole situation happened. But I believe he was punished, um, and I don't think he was allowed to compete. Um, and then I think I think he made it to the league because I think a he's really good, but b he was a lot of people were endorsing him and being like. Kaluge has made the most, the biggest 180. You know, he's a very much a better person. Like I've never seen so much improvement from a player or a person ever in my life, mm-hmm. something like that. And I think I don't know. Uh, like I think. I mean, I don't think I'm like, like. Oh my god, this kid should not be in the league, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, that's, like... To say a person has changed from, like, harassing a woman... Like, that's fucked up. Incredibly. So Yeah. Because <laughs> how do you measure that? How do you, like... There's no way to... There's no way to objectively determine whether or not that person has actually done any sort of work to unlearn harmful behaviors and you know problematic opinions and shit um yeah so i i totally agree with you that uh i think there should be consequences for people's actions and on a case by case by case uh basis you can determine whether or not uh they should be allowed to continue competing but um consequences i think definitely above all else is important because you don't want to like we're if we're gonna be standing by as bystanders um love the redundancy there um then that's just as dangerous as like directly contributing to um those like kind of harmful ideologies so i think consequences is the the least that the overwatch league and other big leagues can do um to curb problematic behavior from their their uh whatchamacallits their players yeah. um yeah i think 
the player that I was specifically talking about, I think his biggest punishment was just not being able to go to the league mm-hmm. um, in the first place because they were, I believe, very talented. Like, they were really good. So, and I think at the time, like, I think there was a situation where, like, a team was going to pick him up and then they decided not to because of his past. Um, but yeah, honestly, I say honestly, case by case basis. Um, yeah, but honestly, like, I mean, I'm not betting that a lot of these players currently that are in the league are the best people because Mm -hmm. the gaming scene is very much dominated by, um, well, I don't know, like, I guess privileged people, like mm-hmm. males. So, you know. So I believe. I mean, obviously, I think. I mean, I think it's very widely known that the esports scene has a lot of misogynistic and gender gap problems. Oh, absolutely. Especially when your player base is the kind of players that come out of video game, uh, you know, chat rooms. Yep. Video game audiences are the absolute worst people on the planet. <laughs> yeah. If you want your self-esteem and your identity ripped to fucking shreds for free, um, just play, They're like, Call country. of Duty for, like, five seconds or something. I don't know. Yeah. Call of Duty. My God. Literally a mess. Like, how? <laughs> <laughs> Call of Duty, I swear to God, is is just like pure distilled trauma. <laughs> yeah, in every way, shape, and form. For a lot of people, it's a very much fun memories. But for me, I was just I was not a Call of Duty player very much, really. Hmm. Um, I really loved Call of Duty campaigns growing up. Like the campaigns were the shit for me. I I enjoyed them so thoroughly, and because of that, I always wanted to play multiplayer. But I remember literally playing a multiplayer match once, um, and I was still a kid, and I was playing it by myself, and I just remember being absolutely devastated, um, and just, like, shutting down, um, and it, it, like, that's, like, a core memory, like, (laughs) I will never forget the feeling of being absolutely eviscerated by people 10 plus years older than me on the internet um and i don't know as much as i as much as i this is tangentially related but um as much as i agree with the fact that parents should be involved enough with their kids to be able to know what kind of media um it is that they're consuming and when so that they can step in and moderate um, as much as I believe in that, I also think that the responsibility still needs to remain on the people who are contributing to the, that kind of culture. Like that, it's beyond trash talk. Like people, what I, for the audience listening, I'm not talking about trash talk. I'm not talking about, oh, you suck. That was that was a bad round or whatever. Like I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like getting slurred and jokes being made about very serious topics um under the under the guise of dark humor um like that's the stuff that i'm talking about um 
the stuff that is a lot more detrimental than just like offhand remarks, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that the responsibility still needs to be placed on these people who are mostly adults. And if not, they're old enough, like 14, 15, 16, 17. Those are ages where you're old enough to understand the kind of uh, consequences of your actions at that point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I'm going to say if you have a punk mech past, should you be allowed to compete? Maybe. Maybe. Um, but I don't think I have a definitive answer, really. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, so speaking of, um, speaking of esports and handling, um, imbalances of privilege, um, what do you think about esports and the inclusion of women or rather lack thereof <laughs> um definitely could do a lot fucking better i believe mm-hmm. um because like we talked about the culture i don't think uh, very much allows for a lot of women to be comfortable enough to maybe you know put themselves in situations where they're going to be criticized by a bunch of fucking incel men. Yeah. Um, and there's only been like like one female Overwatch League player mm-hmm. um, this entire time. I remember like, seeing her when we were watching a, a live competitive match and I was like, oh my god, there's a girl on the team. Yeah. Which is iconic. They're no longer in the league, or she's no longer in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, they were pretty good. Um, they were on the Shanghai Dragons. Mm, period. Um, so, yeah. They were, they were there for, like, one or two years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, um, I definitely think, like, there could probably be, like, maybe a lot more women-exclusive events, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, Like, uh, I know Overwatch League, not Overwatch League, but, like, there was a empowerment cup is what it was told, and it it is what it was called, and it was just a bunch of female players competing for a prize pool. Um, Dope. And I thought that was really cool. Um, It was really, you know, dope. You know? Mm -hmm. Like... Um, I think I believe there was even trans women competing. Um, Period. Which is really dope. Um, I love that. I've know. never even really thought about like LGBT representation in esports um, because I've never esports and gaming in general, um, regardless of who is participating, um, like being the consumer of the game. Um, the big, like, congregations of game audiences are always super, like, cis-normative, heteronormative to me. Um, yeah. And so I never really engaged with them, so I would imagine that a lot of other people can relate to that. And so it's really dope to hear that um, there are LGBT people that are out there, like, trying to get into the scene. Yeah. 
And I don't think there's a lot of open LGBT people in the league currently either. I mean, Overwatch mm-hmm. League. So, I mean, probably same reason. Yeah. Um, some of the reasons that women aren't in the scene is that LGBT people are just... Maybe are just, you know, maybe not comfortable enough to come out or, you know, you know, compete, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So we need to do better. We need to empower our women and our gender non-conforming peoples. And we need to get them into the same, the same levels we really do. as these men. Um, because honestly, representation fucking matters. So... It really does. I really hope that. I doubt anybody, anybody's gonna be listening that you know has a hand in the, the competitive scenes of <laughs> esports leagues. But um, I would hope that people listening who are interested in esports do kind of just think about some of the things that we've been talking about during this podcast, um, and keep in mind uh, the ways that esports has developed into what it is now. Um, just so that we can be aware and make conscious decisions when we're um, talking about who we want to see in our leagues and who we want to support, you know? Yep. Um, So, yeah. Well, I think that is the gist of our take on the esports scene. What do you think in Marlin? Do you think do you feel a little more enriched? Do you feel a little more immersed? I definitely do. I feel like I don't know. I've always I've been an esports fan for a couple of years now and I haven't really been able to talk about these things mm-hmm. to really anyone. Um because I don't know a lot of esports fans. Um but this was really fun and really dope to really dive deep um and to talk about some some topics because even though it's just fucking video games and people playing for fun or competing for fun um there's still issues in the league and or in leagues and there's still issues and i think you know i don't know just trying to make spaces more better i guess Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think any step forward is a step in the right direction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Definitely. Alrighty. Well, thank you to any listeners who have joined us for today's episode on the esports scene. Um, if you want to keep updated with the Anything Goes podcast... Um, you can go ahead and follow all of our socials that will be linked in the description and, um, stay tuned with any updates that we post. Um, you can get this podcast anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Um, these have been your hosts, Eli and Marlo, and we thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you mucho. <laughs> Alrighty. Have a good one. Adios. Adios.